Hello, I'm Rachel England and welcome to Brain Yapping, the podcast where comedian and actual qualified neuroscientist Dr. Dean Burnett gets put through his paces with brain-related questions by me, not a neuroscientist, without any advance warning or prior preparation, in a bid to demonstrate that science isn't always as slick as it seems. Hey, Dean. Hello, Rachel. How's it going? I'm all right. Um, good, good. I was thinking about something we talked about last time, the whole um, impulsive, intrusive thoughts thing. Mm. I realised something which I could have brought up before, but it didn't occur to me, perhaps ironically. The the angle of when, when you do comedy stuff, because I've been doing stand-up on and off for several years, and I'm one of those guys who writes jokes on Twitter. So you sort of cultivate your tendencies to think up, you know, jokes as fast as you can like the first thought that comes to your head mm. but also you have to be very wary of saying the correct thing and like uh, if you come up with what would be deemed an unpleasant joke you have to squash it as quickly as you can so mm. it's a it's a very uh fine balance to walk like uh, two examples i'll come up with um recently i was up with a f- well, not a friend some guy i know who isn't someone i particularly fond of who mentioned his wife and he said because of course i got a trophy wife i thought oh that's that's a thing to say isn't it out loud uh, <sighs> And he showed me a photo, and my first thought was, well, you get trophies for participating these days, don't you? <gasps> Which I thought, you know what? No, that's more <laughs> an insult to her than him, so I'm not going to say that. Also, it's just awful. Yeah. But it occurred to me, and of I managed course. to stop it. And I can't remember talking someone else I was talking with, and they mentioned, like, oh, there's nothing worse than being the odd one out. My first response was, which I managed to stop, you tell that to the last BG, which, um, again, <laughs> not two things. Like, I've, I've, they have had my cake and eat it. I've told the jokes I couldn't have told in yeah. a public forum, so I, but I've also disowned them. Uh, yeah. But that takes some thought. So, yeah, you have to sort of, doing the comedy stuff, like when you're on stage, someone heckles you, you have to come back as soon as possible. So you have to be as fast as possible and think of the first withering put down you can but it can go quite awry quite easily so it's a, it's a tricky balance it's high pressure stakes though isn't it because when you're on stage and you're in that environment and someone's yapping at you you are under this tremendous pressure to come back with something witty or, or whatever mm. but you know if you're with your friends and you're hanging out and one of them says something and you know the joke's there you're relaxed it comes so much easier mm. so yeah, there's no pressure then because obviously there's no performance aspect to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can be really quite. Well, I, I know this very well, but when you even if you're with friends, you say something you think is funny, and they go, "Huh?" Oh, go, oh God, that's yeah. just, that's just oh, devastating. That's, that's cool. I've just died inside a yeah. little. I mean, I've done that a lot during the recording of this. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, but it is it's it's a tricky balance to, to strike. Okay, hmm. so today. Again, for listeners at home, uh, this is obviously in the past, but we've been doing some promo work for this podcast and we've just recorded uh, a short video Mm -hmm. for it, which I'm sure at this juncture now, for you in the future, you'll be able to view somewhere online, probably on our website. Yep. Um, So this is is kind of um, well-timed, this one. You have to promise not to laugh when I ask this question. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll put some effort into that. Why do I hate the sound of my own voice? Oh, yeah, I do too. Okay. My own voice, not yours. No. I'm obviously, I'm, I quite like yours, otherwise I wouldn't have asked you to do this. So, <laughs> Like a braying donkey. <laughs> no, the reason I ask, um, and the reason I ask you not to laugh, of course, is because I'm very opinionated and I love to share my thoughts on everything. Hmm. So insofar as it goes, I love the sound of my own voice, that old saying, I mean, oh, yeah. I do. But actually, literally hearing my voice makes me want to cringe my face off. Yeah, same here. And I think pretty much everyone feels the same unless you're a massive narcissist. Mm. Of course, there are people who are like that. Yeah. Um, The exact 
mechanisms I'm not entirely sure of in terms of like the there may be some psychology to it as in this is not what I think well I think that that is a big part of it because I can't remember who said this but I did read a study or like analysis saying that the voice you hear when you talk isn't your voice that right. is naturally your voice at all because you're hearing it with completely different acoustic properties your voice is emerging from your throat so it's traveling through the, hol- the hollows in your skull on the and solid the, surface. The bone structure and stuff yeah, of your skull, isn't it? Yeah, and it's hitting your your eardrums both by the voice outside and inside, and you get this sort of more sonorous effect from it. It's far more internal for you. Yeah, and that's the voice you hear all the time. Like so, when you have this idea of yourself, your um, no, like we have a self image, and we're like, this is what I look like. This is what I sound like. This is what I smell like i guess <laughs> i don't know if people recognize their own smell but it depends how much you've been drinking the night before okay? yes of course you can't wake up and go oh that's that's certainly me <laughs> that's me is it? oh, that's my blend <laughs> that's not pleasant and so you have this idea of your properties or whatever they happen to be and then when you hear a recording of yourself it isn't that so that that itself is quite alarming it's, i don't think people find that their voice is necessarily bad i think well i think they do but it isn't if you if they hear that voice completely separately didn't know it was them mm. they might think eh, it's, a, it's just a generic voice i have no particular issue with that one way or the other but because they know it's theirs and it deviates so much from what you think your voice is that's really unsettling it's when like you it's jarring yeah, yeah. it's like having like find out something like it's like having a memory which you didn't know you had and someone mentioned something oh my god it hits you really f- i didn't know i did that oh god or like oh, right, when you wake up well like you say, when you've been drinking, you wake up the next morning, oh, what happened? What, yeah. what did I do? How much did I do? 15, 15 messages, oh, this isn't good. Yeah, or you could just yeah. channel what one, mm. one friend of ours does. I'm just going to turn my phone off. Mm. Just turn my phone off and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. They're sparking a European-wide panic as we triangulate resources between London and Cardiff and Prague, trying to get someone over to a dam house. Right. So that's a, that, that's a real story. Then. Yes. Okay, right. So. I was in the Museum of Communism in Prague <laughs> when I got a phone call from this re- friend's that mother. That really works. <laughs> I, well, I'll just, I'll always remember, I got a phone call from this friend's mother going, yeah. oh, Rachel, have you seen uh, Name of Person? And of course, I immediately start panicking and I'm hmm. ringing friends back in the UK because there's nothing I can do and eventually find someone to go over to find her. And she just shuffles in front of the... She's got like a Domino's pizza in one hand and a dressing gown. And she's like, hello, answer your damn phone. <laughs> but that all came about as a result of her having the phone shame and just yeah. going, nope, I refuse to acknowledge mm. the reality of it. So I guess in some ways, yeah. kind of similar to um, listening to yourself on the recording, just going, no, 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 no. I don't want to listen yeah. to this, la, 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 la. Yeah. But it also, I think it stems, well, it links to... Have I talked about impression management on this? That's no. a thing. It's... We all have this. It's like it's a reflection of the fact that the default behavior of the human brain is to make us ourselves look as good as possible. So we put ourselves out there. No, we we think we are giving a good impression of ourselves to the wider world. Mm. They did a study, and so they made people tell lies about themselves, good ones and bad ones. So like made 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 them say statements which reflected positively on them and negatively, whether they were true or not. And they found activity in certain areas of the brain, but only when people were made to tell say negative statements about themselves. When they made to say positive statements, which weren't necessarily true, there was no change in brain activity. There were two conclusions there. Either the positive part of the brain has a completely different um, area which they were looking at, which seems unlikely, or 
the brain's doing that all the time anyway, so it doesn't register any change. So we're obviously, the conclusion is we are constantly emphasising our good points, thinking mm. about them, and downplaying our bad ones. So when we're made to say negative stuff about ourselves, it causes like a different reaction. Okay. It causes different sorts of activities. So we're not, we don't normally do that. So we're always trying to give the best impression of ourselves possible. So we have this idea of how we look to the, the outer world, how we people see us, how we, we are perceived. And it includes this voice that we hear all the time. So when you've, you're recording of yourself, you're oh, no, 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 that's wrong. This whole idea you have about yourself, that, that ain't right, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. it's a similar thing yeah. with um, taking photos of yourself or photo- selfies. Mm. Um, you know, there's the, the meme on the internet, isn't there? You know, your your profile picture is something that you've obviously been, you've had a hand in creating or, or you've okayed and you like it, it's mm. fine. So profile picture is like a big thumbs up, but then tagged photos of you, the people photos that other people have taken that you weren't expecting, you couldn't edit or you weren't mm. prepared for, you're just mm. like, whoa, is that my face? <laughs> is that what I look like? Mm. And does that explain then why um, so many people take selfies and they flip the picture because does that better correlate with how they see themselves in a mirror? That's what I've heard, yeah, in that because that's how you think you look. You yeah. see yourself in a mirror, it's all, you know, it's inverted because that's physics, that's how mirrors work, that's optics. <laughs> that is literal stuff. science, yeah. yeah. And I don't like the implication that neuroscience isn't literal science. Oh, no. <laughs> it's one of, no, those, I mean, like, one of those pretend ones. Sorry, <laughs> it's yeah. masquerading. It's made up theories yeah. of reflection. It's not science, it's three arts in a trench coat that's what it is um, <laughs> no that's not what I meant but I mean yeah. like you, yeah, that's indisputable science isn't it yeah, that your image is flipped in a mirror yeah. but then if you go down that rabbit hole you have to start thinking about things like you'll never actually see your own face and yeah, then you have an existential crisis that's a real thing though, that people like don't actually ever see their own no. visage I mean you have to think visage that, <laughs> visage that's, that's a word right that's, injecting a bit of class into of this course, podcast yeah. to make it sound all uh Highbrow. All fancy like. Uh, you know, it's it's yeah. wild though, isn't it? When you think yeah. about that, I'll never actually see my own face hmm. like, in real life. Yeah. But uh. it, 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 it wasn't that long ago where people wouldn't have seen their faces. Like the average person lacking, like, you know, a mirror would have been a luxury object not yeah. too long ago. And you know, unless you see yourself in a frozen pond or something, then if you live in a like 18th century city, when would you have seen your own face? It's just, you know, just rely on people telling you what you look like. Like brass rubs and stuff. Which <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine, brass rubs. I imagine, aren't the most uh, accurate reflection. No, of exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like a stick drawing. Yeah, that's fine. I, I yeah, look I'm okay sure today. I... Um, but yeah, it's, it's true, isn't it? And like, I can always tell when friends put up a selfie, and I look at it, I think that's them, but it's not quite right. And then I realise that it's been flipped, mm. and presumably that's because you know that picture better reflects who they've. Feel yeah. they well, what they feel they look like. That conforms to what you think you know, you look like. And there's also a weird one. Some studies suggest that we tend to be attracted more to people who look a bit like us, mm. which is an odd one to think about because obviously the whole interbreeding is very frowned upon at a very instinctive level. But apparently, not necessarily. So, like you know, they did this weird study where they merged like those different faces together and said which is the most attractive one. And people often tend to say this one, which is got more of their own facial properties in it than others which don't okay. and i think maybe that's something to do with you know preserving your genes as well because like, like that's the thing that's one theory as to why blonde hair blue eyes is always seen as so attractive because those are recessive genes so you have this partner who whose dna is not as strong as yours so you uh will be you know when you have children they'll have your genetics rather than you know, rather than you know, the, oh, I the, see, the partners yeah. i suppose but then, that would that would explain brad pitt 
would it? Yeah, there's a <laughs> there's uh, again articles around the internet that quite clearly document how in his sort of relationship history, he's always kind of ended up looking a little bit like the person he's dating. <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess you can't change his genetics or his facial structure, but things like um, when he was dating Gwyneth Paltrow, for example, he had like a kind of bob length bleached blonde hair okay, style right. yeah. um and when he was dating um i want to say it wasn't winner rider it was somebody else but there's a, like this long sort of visual documentation of evidence of how every time he's di- started dating someone new he's kind of tweaked his appearance slightly hmm. um so i guess that would like i mean I, I part of that's obviously sort of fashion and trends and style but maybe there's some link there to what you're saying about being with somebody that you sort of feel looks like you or has some of your characteristics or traits or whatever. Yeah, quite possibly. But um, I have a friend who was briefly a PA for a famous music person, musician. And that's <laughs> a the, music person? Music person. Sure. Oh, I, a music man. I had Visage just now as well. I, <laughs> oh, my, I've tacked up my verbal skills. Um, yeah, this famous musician. And she uh, said that this musician was a woman... Okay. She had lots of high-profile boyfriends, and every time she got together with, this, with a new guy, she would pretty much take on their personality traits. Like, if he was extremely sporty, she'd become extremely sporty. And if he was really into, you know, nightlife and stuff, she'd stay out all hours. And it's just it's slightly more bleak, I think. It's not like... Uh, I think that's more yeah. of a kind... Well, I don't know how much of that is to do with wanting to sort of preserve one, preserve one's sort of genes or, yeah, or appearance. Yeah, I think this is more of a psychological that's more of a, approval thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. But that's one of the reasons I common refrain in modern neuroscience is like, what harm are social media doing? Uh, what harm is social media doing to children's brains and stuff? Mm. And people will say, oh, it's addictive. But it's not addictive because that's not how addiction works. Like if you are you know, robbing your mother to pay for Facebook, then yeah, fair enough. I will say that you are maybe addicted to it. But it's habit forming. It's very compelling, but it's mm. not the same thing. And I think one of the reasons it does that is because back to this whole impression management thing, social media allows you to have much more control over how you come across to mm. the world, which is like virtual. Like you say, you can you can go through 50 selfies, find that one I like, I'll put that up as my profile pic. And that feels like gives you a sense of control, gives you a sense of, I look great, everyone will look at this and think I am brilliant. Marvellous. Um, but of course, if you walk into a pub, see some friends and like your flies and then, oop, bam, that's you ruined for the night then, that's you embarrassed. It's a constant you know, update in, constant self-check-in. Yeah. It's a lot easier online to come across as well as you want to. Unless, of course, you start a podcast and people hear what you sound like and then it's awful, There's awful. nowhere to hide. We're going to have to get some of those voice modulators. Yeah. We'll, we'll auto-tune this entire thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'll be great. It could be like Cher or and T-Pain <laughs> talking about neuroscience. <laughs> God, that's I a, would listen to that. That's a, yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah. podcast I'd listen to. Absolutely. I'd be first in line for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I suppose, I mean, that there's there's loads of credence in that. Going back to the very early incantations of social media, like um, MySpace. Mm. And we all joke about, you know, the MySpace selfie, where everyone had their digital handheld cameras. Um, but everyone would take them in the mirror. So there'd yeah. be a photo of you holding the camera in front of the mirror to capture you in the camera, which mm. is like a very 2007 phenomenon. But again, <laughs> specific. I like that. that's the indicative of, you know, wanting to be able to capture your reflection as you actually see mm. yourself. 
This is back before Instagram existed or, you know, everyone had access to photo editing software where they could flip things around and tweak it or whatever. So I suppose that was the earliest sort of make-do way Mm. of managing your sort of visual representation yeah in a way yeah. that feels comfortable to you yeah obviously you get control of the photo you use and mm. digital cameras obviously been a huge boon for that because like some of the other disposable kodak fan cameras of the 90s and yeah just like, hey, it took 45 photos and they're all crap yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe yeah. i spent 10 pounds getting these developed great <laughs> but it is you know that sort of becomes we are compelled to give the best possible representation of ourselves out there with people we care about obviously we can be rather well, we but some people can be rather less pleasant to groups and people they don't necessarily want to please or conform to so but that makes you look better to people you do relate to like the whole mm. group polarization thing and but regarding the voice thing when I, mean, I find my voice really weird because i like um most people will have figured out that i'm welsh by this point well, you'd hope so wouldn't you yeah well you say that we're but, just very mumbly <laughs> yeah well, i used to say that because when i was eight i had a Really bad accident in a swing park. I got hit in the mouth by a swing with someone in it. Oh, God. Got a hospital and had 10 stitches in my tongue. Oh. And yeah, that was that's why I don't bring this up because that's the reaction it normally gets. And oh, when was, you were 10? Oh, eight, I think. Eight. Like, yeah, so. Um, so yeah, but then like, people said, people ask me, oh, did anything, any, con- any long term effects on that? I said, well, I, I am actually French. This is what happens when. <laughs> You have a <laughs> surgery. You've got the Welsh literally struck into yeah, you. The transplant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were um, Welsh stitches, so that's how I am now. But I don't sound like I did when I was a kid because I moved to Cardiff at age 18, half my life ago. And this is the accent I've got from living in a more multicultural city with my wife, who's got a very classic English accent. Mm. And my kids have got all some very strange accents because obviously it's a hodgepodge of all the different stuff. But if I, when my grandmother's live, we used to talk to her on the phone, we used to go on the phone with her for 20 minutes, and she would go, how's your nan? Oh, she's fine. She's marvellous. No, she's, uh, she's, watching, she's watching the snooker. Yeah. <laughs> just slip straight back into it. It's really weird how, like, the old the old instincts or the old, like, pathways are still there. Sure. Need to, be, need to be sort of fired up again, and suddenly it takes a while to cool down and back from that, that side of things. I've got a lot of friends from uh, up north hmm. who uh, I lived with in London, and obviously over time their accents kind of softened or whatever but when they were where they would ring their families and speak speak to them back north they would yeah be coming away and i mean i'm not even going to try and do the accent because it would just be insulting but yes they sounded very northern, northern. <laughs> yeah when i was just live with like nine guys when i was in uh, university and I was like my accent was the one that seemed to sort of filter to everyone else's subconscious because they'd start picking up my mannerisms mm. i think it's because i had the most a typical accent, I think, because of my weird pronunciation and stuff. But then I moved in the guy Martin. Hi, Martin, if you're listening, uh, from Leeds. I need a problem. Hey, man, man, hey, hey, let me know. Hey, stop it. Don't touch me. And, so, <laughs> and uh, I started picking up his accent. So I don't know. There seems to be a hierarchy of density of accent which creeps into your own subconscious. I don't know how to measure that, but I would like to see some sort of papers on this. That's interesting, isn't it? My mother is Irish, and I... Cannot hear any Irish in her at all. Hmm. Um, presumably because, you know, she's my mum. I've been listening to her my whole life. Yeah. I don't sort of think, oh, how Irish you sound. Um, people that meet her say that she sounds, you know, she's pretty Irish. I'm rubbish at accents. Hmm. But if I speak to an Irish person, pretty soon I can mimic it really well. Okay, that's an interesting trait, yeah. Um, 
crap with every other accent, but the Irish one. So I'm wondering if there's something in my brain from years and years and years of listening to my mum that's just kind of like this latent, yeah. this is how this sounds, you know. And, probably, and, probably some sort of vocal equivalent of muscle memory, you know. It's yeah. Just, it's there somewhere. Like, I haven't ridden a bike in 10 years. I never really liked them, but I can still do it. Yeah. On the off chance I get given a bike, you know, I can't remember what context. Like, here you go. Thank you. Like, what, what's going to happen there? But I could ride a bike. Should I want to, should I wish to do so? Just not something I've really got any enthusiasm for. Well, let's not rule out future merchandising opportunities. Just <laughs> <laughs> be riding around on bikes. Just riding like in bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um, well, several reasons, really. It's, Instead of not, a basket at the front, it's just like a big squishy styrofoam brain. It's not like vaguely Mad Max. It's <laughs> sort of preschool yeah. Mad Max. Everyone's on bikes. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Well, again, why not? I can think of several reasons. It sounds impractical and unpleasant for all concerned. My first trip to Ireland was several years ago now. I went to Derry. Ah, yes. A lot of the stereotypes I've been told about Ireland were... In, out in force, weirdly. And well, you do say that they yeah. kind of come from a place of truth. Well, that's what my experience suggested in this one. And I, like I was in the middle of the town and I was doing a talk for the university. But after I discover a drink, it's okay, I've I've been told that's what happens here. So I'll go along. My understanding is that the Irish enjoy a drink. That's yeah. true, yes. When um, in Rome. And uh, so I went to this pub and it was like coming around 11 o'clock. I said, oh, I guess I, guess I, I, guess I should go back to the hotel then because obviously he's Closing time, they looked at me as a and laughed in my face because obviously that's ridiculous. And they, they did ring the bell and everything, but they still didn't close. They just go into the motions yep. really of acknowledging this is when we would close if should such a thing happen. Yeah, it took me onto the main strip uh, of the town we were in, the part of the town, and I went into this pub which had a fiddle band on the stage. Which oh, that's another one, another cliche. And someone said, "Do you want a Guinness?" I was like, "I think I should say yes, otherwise something bad could happen." <laughs> And I mentioned something that some drunk guy next to me goes, "You, where are you? Where are you from?" <laughs> um, I said, "I'm from Wales." Is Wales? That's all right. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> Celtic community. Okay, <laughs> you're allowed to be here. That's fine. Yeah, there's a good old tribal mentality. As long yeah. as you're not English, it's okay. Yeah, similar encounter I've had with an Irish person like that. The other one was in Cardiff during the one of the Wales Island rugby matches. It was in a pub, and came behind this guy, and he was clearly black. He'd been out all day. He turned round and grabbed me by the shirt mm. and said, You! I said, uh, Yes, because again, never met him before in my life. He said, What's your favourite song? Oh, <laughs> um, That's loaded. Uh, and he goes, It's Danny Boy, isn't it? So I said, <laughs> What a coincidence. Yes, he said, I knew it. I just walked off. <laughs> well, glad I made his day, I suppose. Okay, so you've made his day. You, you, you've done wonders for sort of Irish Welsh relations. I, I guess. If that's, not that I was trying to do that, but I'll, I'll take it if, if that comes as a win. So going back to impression management, obviously we, we work really hard to sort of curate this vision of ourselves or this appearance of ourselves, both on social media and, you know, in real life, putting your best foot forward and all of that. So when you hear your voice or you see yourself on the video, it, it's so jarring. What's actually happening then in your brain to make you feel so unpleasant about it? Um, I think it's to do with the fact that you have this self-image, like this actual mental representation of what you look like, what you sound like. And that's what you base your decisions on, really. Like, not sort of like, you know, I sound like this, so I will do that. Mm. Although I guess that does happen to a certain extent with the whole classic thing of the X factor. People go up and, I can sing really well. Oh, you God. can't sing really well. And yeah. apparently you got through all these auditions before someone told you. That sounds believable. So uh, you have this idea. Then anything which sort of challenges or disproves your 
preconceptions is unsettling. Yeah. Especially when it gets when it's really close to home like that. Because we have the same thing like with just basic cognitive dissonance. I believe this is the case. I experience something different. So how do I rationalize that away? Because it's uncomfortable to have your assumptions, your underlying beliefs and ideas disproved by reality itself, as we've seen a lot in everything lately. That's, yeah. It's a very common occurrence these days, and therefore you just scream until people agree that you're right about something. I agree with myself. Yes, yeah. that's that's basically the theme of the modern world, isn't it? Yeah. Four words, you've, uh, you've summed up modern politics, well done. Also another good name for the podcast. I agree with myself. It's probably a good name for every podcast, if we're honest. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's all kicking off in the podcast fandom. Yeah. But yeah, so it, you know, anything which presents you with something which contradicts your pre-existing beliefs, especially when something's so fundamental. I mean, I actually had a discussion like about this earlier on with a journalist from Wales Online about the, to us, recent uh, kicking off with the whole Greg's vegan sausage rolls. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, um, that's the thing. If, if, it, if you listen to this at a time when that's faded into you know, distant memory... At the start of 2019, uh, Greg's, the baker's, released a vegan sausage roll. And that was awful, apparently. That, oh, was, that was the worst thing, according the, to many people. The gammon had a right tantrum mm. about it, didn't they? I'll say, ironically, because you'd think they'd approve anything which reduces the use of pork products. But, yeah. But, it's just so keen on yeah. saving their own. <laughs> Why do people have this weird animosity toward vegans? Because almost by definition, they don't do any harm. You know, they have to do less harm than your average meat eater. And I think it's because if it's something like, you know, your music tastes are not good, you're like, oh, screw you. You get a bit angry about that. But you can accept each to their own, like there's a certain element of subjectivity there. Mm. But if you meet someone who says, I think meat is murder and you eat meat, they are logically calling you a murderer or like at least accessory to murder, which is a criticism. And, you know, it's not a nice one. It's not like, this is your diet. This is what you eat. This is like a fundamental part of your life. So it's kind of hard to reconcile that. But it's also like, if someone says, I'm a vegan, they are, to many people's eyes, saying they are better than you because they don't, you know, their diet doesn't revolve any harm towards animals mm. and yours does. Whether they mean it or not, there's a certain judgment value inherent in that. And as a result, people find that very unpleasant. Same with anything, like, anything to do with parents. You know, if you look at any mummy blogs or like, they can get very intense very quickly because mm. you know doctor says this is how we do a heart transplant fair enough you listen to them because you don't know anything about that but everyone who's been a parent has very strong ideas of what works as a parent or what works in parenting so someone tells you this approach is wrong they're saying like both you're a bad parent and you've ruined your child and that's that's a lot to take in you know it's a lot to absorb and remain calm and objective about okay so what you're saying then is is listening to a recording of your own voice mm. um is prompting in your brain the same level of um, unease and disgust as vegan sausage rolls have created amongst middle-aged white men. Yeah, let's go with that. That's yeah. Not, I'm not sure I did say that, but I'm, I'm going to go with it. Brilliant. But uh, there's also, when it comes to recording yourself, you can't really blame anyone for that. That's sort of like, you know, that's no one's fault. That that's is what true. you sound like. So you, you don't have the catharsis of having a go at some bleeding heart liberal do-gooder. It's just like... <laughs> That's my voice. Like, I'm, who, who gave me that? How dare they? <laughs> there's no way around that. So you arguably to... then your fury is even greater because there's nowhere to direct it. <laughs> yeah. So, so next time you hear yourself on the, on the radio or, or when you invariably listen to this back, hmm. your response will be arguably greater yes. than Piers Morgan's ridiculous theatrics 
over the, a vegan sausage roll. Yes, definitely. Wow. I don't, and I edit these, so I'm just in a constant level of fury. <laughs> this is me like, maxed out. Like I have to have a proper full-on screaming session before you turn up uh, to just get through the day. Screaming into a pillow, mm-hmm. but not recording it. Oh, no, no. That'd be awful. <laughs> Great. Well, there we go. I feel like we've really done some. I feel like we've really done some correlatory science well, today. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I helped. <laughs> that's that's what happened. Thank you very much for time, and I'm really sorry that you have to listen to my stupid voice when you edit this later. <laughs> well, I enjoy it. If you'd like to read the Brainy Up in blogs, go to cosmicshambles.com forward slash blogs, where you'll find Brainy Up in plus lots of other exclusive science blogs from the likes of Helen Chesky, John Butterworth, Susie Gage, Ginny Smith, and others. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do share it on social media. Give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, as that does really help us out. If you'd like to support the show and everything we make at Cosmic Shambles, you can pledge via Patreon for as little as $1 a month. There's lots of great reward tiers available too. Go to patreon.com forward slash bookshambles or follow the links from cosmicshambles.com. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network.